Four teenagers were stabbed at Polo Park Mall on Friday. What the heck is going on? We check in with the Winnipeg police to see the latest on that situation. With wildfires and evacuations in Alberta, what should we consider here as we look at emergency preparedness week? A Winnipeg company, the Baltic Brothers, had a podium finish at a big spirits competition in San Fran. They describe this as the Oscars of alcohol. And we had lots of fun talking about the childhood games that still make us feel like kids when we get to play them. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. This is the Monday, May 8th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling, McGarry, and once again, we say welcome back after three days on Connecting Winnipeg to Loren McNabb. Welcome back to <laughs> Early Mornings, Loren. Uh, yes, it is early. That is all. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it, it is- somehow a little bit better, though, Loren? Like, you battled traffic coming in here a couple of days. You're up early already. Like, don't you think you, you gave away a lot of your time? On those oh, three days? I, I really, I had said this on air, like I was shocked as I tried to work my way in uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to be at the station in a timely fashion. I couldn't get over the traffic. And I know that sounds silly. It's just that you forget, like you forget when you come in at the four in the morning, how much easier it is to get around. And quite frankly, when you leave at 11, 12, 1, whenever, whenever we're heading home after our day is done, it's the same thing. Like, yes, there might be construction or other, but there's not that volume. So yes, I lost time in some respects switching shifts, but I will say there is a huge difference between getting up at three, three thirty, then five. Like it's, uh, were you actually it, able it, to sleep until five? Well, no, like I get, my body would wake up, <laughs> yeah. but I would fall back asleep at least. Okay. And that's a, I think that's a game changer, like in terms of that extra hour. So I have to figure out to get another hour of sleep in my life. I don't know where to squeeze that in. Yeah. It's, it's tough. And, uh, like I, I, I for whatever reason, uh, all three days this weekend, after four hours of sleep, I'd wake up. So last mm-hmm. night I went to bed at 7.30 yeah. and I woke up wondering, like, is it time to get up for work yet? And then I looked at the clock and it was 11.35. And I thought, well, that's wonderful. But then the next three, four hours, it just kind of like I did fall asleep, I wake up, I fall asleep, I, I wonder if up. there's, do you think there's science to that, Greg? Or at least there's something to it, like a pattern that you set as a habit? Like, have have, have you conditioned your body, Brett? Because I'm the same, like four hours maybe. No matter what happens after four hours, whether I go to bed at midnight or go to bed at 8 p.m., I'm up in that three to four hour window afterwards and then trying to figure out how to get back to sleep. I don't think there's any doubt we develop those patterns. So you think it's a pattern, not like science tells you you do four hours and you wake up to check in to see if you need more? No, no, there's no <laughs> science there. You know, uh, I was hoping there was some sort of like magical study that mm, it's fine, you're fine, you're I mean, normal. maybe there is. I'm not going to say that there isn't a study which backs up your theory, Loren, but I, I just think we just get into these patterns. Our body recognizes them. And I know even for whiskey in particular, on Saturday morning, sure enough, at 2.43, he's got his his nose kind of waking me up. (laughs) Come on, Dad. Isn't this the time of the morning when I get to go outside? Yes. Five days a week, this is the time of the morning when you get to go outside. But he doesn't know that it's Saturday. Yeah. So he he knows the time exactly when I'm supposed to be up and, and letting him out for the first time in the morning. So your circadian rhythm has been observed and adopted by your dog, Whiskey, who is yes. saying, I know your circadian rhythm, which means it's my rhythm as well. That's right. And now he's dictating his rhythm that he's adapted from me because he doesn't know the concept of five out of seven. And I can't blame him for that. All right. Well, hey, if you got any ideas on how to push past those uh, four hours, feel free to weigh in. Maybe you've got a trick that we just don't know. 204-780-6868. Also today, one of the things we're going to be talking about is, and you're wearing the sweater today, Greg. I almost wore mine, the Winnipeg Ice they are four wins from going to the Memorial Cup. That is correct. The Manitoba Moose fell on Saturday night in Game 5 versus Milwaukee in heartbreaking fashion. So Winnipeg started out with three teams 
in the playoffs. The Jets bowed out first, then the Moose, the Ice remain, and they are definitely a threat to capture uh, not only the Western Hockey League Championship, but also the Memorial Cup coming up next month in Kamloops. So we'll speak with the head coach of the Winnipeg Ice, James Patrick, later on this morning to find out how he feels. They're waiting around to see who they play in the WHL Championship and the the prospect of of heading to the Memorial Cup. Although my guess is, Loren, he probably doesn't really want to talk about that until they take care of business with the WHL Championship be some sort of lying back with that like uh we're just one game at a time or one minute at a time or one period at a time or oh, like no the only question. poll that counts is the poll on election day or something mm-hmm. like that some sort of cliche mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly you know what the bombers say uh just looking to go one and oh this week and right. what is it the other series that's still ongoing it's it's is it Kamloops in seattle yes i'm just opening the uh whl website uh, are you uh on there brett do you I, see I, what's going on there i am i'm just trying to do the math on that looks like there are two games left in that series because you were suggesting that if Kamloops wins that series, that gives Winnipeg an automatic berth into the Memorial Cup because Kamloops is the host city of that. You yes? got that nailed, buddy. Okay. Um, but uh, my math skills at this t- early out time <laughs> are not working, so I'm just going to give up on that and we'll get well, more at 7.35. While you're doing that, we should pause and take a moment for Leafs fans. Yeah. 3-0, and oh, they're down. That is not... Space, you How's know, your boy? He, he talked himself into this theory that he was good, that they made it past the first round. That's all he could hope for this year. And I was like, well, I'm pretty sure they're hoping to get past the second round. He's like, you know, I know. But he's convinced himself that that's the silver lining that they got into the second round. So, yeah. So space to be. So backtrack and to qualify our previous conversation. Seattle leads the series versus Kamloops, three games to two. And as it pertains to the Toronto Maple Leafs, they're one loss away, in my estimation, from that organization being in a very similar situation to the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, Austin Matthews, uh, who was drafted ahead of Patrick Laine and Pierre-Luc Dubois, his contract situation is exactly the same as Dubois'. He will be uh, essentially eligible to become an unrestricted free agent should he so choose following next season. And if Toronto loses again this year, they're going to be taking a solid look at their core group of players and all the money they spend on their top four forwards in particular. What do they do about goaltending? This is going to be a very interesting offseason in Winnipeg and Toronto. I'm not I'm not pushing the lease by the wayside, but to come back from three, nothing down is completely different than to come back from three, one down in a series that's coming back from three, nothing is very uncommon. I think it's only happened a handful of times. Yeah. In the NHL. It's, indeed. It's, I think you know, all sports, I think in the NHL, it might be statistically like the, the most difficult to come back from. So tough go for Leafs fans. Retail theft. It's been a big issue for businesses over the past couple of years, but what happened at Polo Park Mall over the weekend is taking concerns to another level. Yeah, when I read this, I just thought, okay, like that's a that's a situation I would don't think I would prepare my kid for if you're out shopping at a young age, right? We had four teens who police say were stabbed while out of the mall. There was two 14-year-olds bleeding badly enough that police say they had to apply apply tourniquets to the scene before they were rushed to hospital. So this happened Friday night at 8.30. Police got a call about a suspect, who was also a teen, uh, who tried to rob one of the kids. And then when he didn't get what he wanted, police said that that's when he attacked and started stabbing. So four teens were hurt, and as I said, too badly enough that they were taken to hospital. They eventually tracked down the 16-year-old suspect, and in that arrest, say they believe he's also the same person Greg wanted in three attacks on pizza delivery drivers. So one of those drivers was robbed at Knife Point on April 25th on Ross Avenue West. Another the next day on Dubuque Street near Uville. And the third driver, same street, allegedly attacked a few days later. And he needed surgery from that stabbing. So you add it all up. There's a lot of things that have me asking questions. One, the suspect, his age, what's going on there. The stabbing at Polo Park, you know, and and and, and whether or not this is a conversation we need to be having about security at our biggest mall in the province. You... I, Brett, a lot of us here at CJOB have been having this discussion, I would say for at least a year, 
over the concern of youth violence in our community? Why does it seem to be taking such a focus? Why do a majority of these cases seem to involve a youth in one way or the other, either as uh, potential perpetrators or as victims? So that has us concerned and, and has me concerned as a, as a parent, of course. Uh, the idea of not being able to go to your shopping mall and not experience something like this is obviously something that many folks will be concerned about once again, including myself and the whole idea that stabbings seem to be so commonplace in our city, Brett. I know the, that the number of guns on our streets is rising, but the idea that you could bump into somebody at the mall or you could, you know, exchange words or have some sort of verbal altercation based on a variety of different things could result in a weapon of some sort being pulled on you has to be a gigantic concern for more than just parents in our city. I used to work at Polo Park in the late 90s. One of the stores I worked at uh, was called Jersey City. Just a recap of the lay of the land. There is a Jersey City in Polo Park, but it's on the main floor. When I worked at this place, Jersey City, and I'm not sure if it's even the same company, it doesn't matter. Uh, it was on the second floor. It was up closer to the bay. You might remember they had a giant Winnipeg Blue Bombers helmet over top of the counter. And the, the point I'm making here is the worst thing I had to worry about was theft. Uh, I remember a guy managed to sneak out of the store with the special edition Wayne Gretzky New York Rangers jersey that we had. I noticed the jersey was gone. I knew who took it. I followed him through the mall, but he got away. But uh, never, never while I worked there ever did I worry about violence. So you followed this individual through the mall. Had you had an opportunity, would you have physically stopped him? And was it ever in the back of your head, oh, this guy might have a knife or or? Next level, have a gun. No, I, I, I was thinking, what do I do if I catch this guy? Because we have been instructed by our company, and I think the mall as well, that if somebody successfully gets out of your store, don't pursue, don't try to get involved. But I thought about it. I think it feels I, personal. It did. It felt. It really felt personal, and I just. I. I felt like ah, oh, he because the store suddenly got busy, and I was the only one sort of watching the store. The other, that my coworker was in the back trying to eat their lunch, and uh, and I saw this guy come in, and we had suspected he was a thief. So I, I ran to the back to, to call for my coworker, and I just, I don't know how he got it. I still don't know. But I did think about when I went after him. I thought, what do I do if I catch this yeah. guy? I think I was just trying to scare him into dropping it. I was like, because I was bigger than him, and and looked, and I looked mad, and he knew I was mad. He never came back into the store after that, but I never did get, end up getting to that point. I think I just sort of abandoned the chase. And Loren, I feel as though this is not the first time over the last several years we've spoken about security, safety, and incidents, violent incidents at Polo Park. Yeah, and you know, it had me wondering because I actually was there on Saturday shopping with my youngest. I hadn't, we didn't learn about, the, about this Friday night stabbing until yesterday, and there had been some rumors circling, but we, we hadn't confirmed anything yet. And so I was out there shopping. First of all, the mall was packed. And so my first thought when I got there was like, man, that's for, for a whole folk host of people who are struggling right now with things being more expensive and all the rest. We sure were out shopping in droves on Saturday. Now, that might have just been, you know, for something to do because lots of people do just go to the mall to walk around. And, and if you're, especially if you're a teen, it might be something you do for fun with your friends, right? It was really busy. Uh, but what I did notice right away, because I saw them three times while we were walking up and down, um, this pair of police officers, Winnipeg police officers that were just patrolling in addition to the different security guards that were there. And I was curious as I saw them, I wondered, is that new or have they always had police officers that they bring in over the past couple of years to help with their security or perhaps the police were there patrolling on their own accord you know did their unit send them there to take a look or is pull apart paying extra dollars now for this type of security because you certainly as we know see police officers maybe at a superstore uh they've been in and around liquor stores in previous years that kind of thing but i wonder if that's where we're at and you're right it's not the first time we've heard about this at Polo Park. And I'm not saying it makes me think twice about going there, but I now have different thoughts when I'm out. I think I will have different thoughts when I'm out shopping of what to watch for and be mindful of. And then the other part that's kind of really concerning, if you saw a group of kids, these are kids, 13 and 14 year olds being attacked, you should be intervening. But now you're going to have to pause and think twice. Is that guy that's punching them also got a knife in his back pocket that he's about to pull out? Or did he pull the knife out first? What are you supposed to do in that scenario to help? Yeah, the idea of intervening has changed altogether now over the last, 
I would say decade or less. It would be my instinct normally to get involved, especially if I see young people going at it with one another. Uh, however, I've stated in the past that would be all dependent on who I was with. If I'm with my kids, my first instinct at that point is to get them as far away from that situation as possible and not to leave them standing by themselves while I go and intervene. My, my, first, my first instinct always is to protect my children. And so are you less inclined to get involved in a situation that you might be able to help out in based on the weapon that the individuals within these groups might be carrying, Brett? You can weigh in at 204-780-6868, and you can read more about this incident at cjob.com. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Right now we want to talk about childhood games that still make you feel like a kid when you play them. And here's what happened on Saturday on the weekend. I went to a buddy's place for his birthday, got together with uh, you know some friends uh, from uh, what we used to call ourselves the Transcona Rum Council. And uh, the, the wives of the Rum Council were there, and it was good. And they, they enjoyed themselves too because none of them brought their kids. So it was just... Uh, the host's two kids were there, a five-year-old girl and a three-year-old boy. And um, so I was, of everybody there, I was the only adult in the room who is not a parent. All these, all my friends there, they're all parents. They've all got kids. And um, for some reason, my buddy's son, and he, he, my friend comes over and he says, Hey, uh, my son would like to show you his dinosaur collection if uh, you're up for that. And I'm like, really? He wants to... He wants to hang out with me? Easily the grumpiest looking person in the room. Easily the most awkward with the children's. But sure enough, I went to play with the dinosaurs. I learned a lot about dinosaurs. I thought one was a triceratops. She said, no, 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 it's not that. And then I looked at it closer and said, oh, yeah, okay. Show me. Got him to explain the difference, why. And then the the daughter came in and was showing me her fancy. You remember those, uh, what do you call them, a viewfinder? Where you put that disc in yeah, with the different pictures. That's right. So you you put it in. It's like, it's like reverse binoculars where 3D you look in. 3D viewfinder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she had something similar, but it was a flashlight, and it had this little mini disc on it, so it was shooting these unicorn images on the wall. So I was mesmerized by it. It was like a lightsaber of unicorn images. So I'm sitting <laughs> on the floor playing with dinosaurs and learning about unicorns. And I, I got to admit, uh, I, felt, I felt like a little kid again. It was a lot of fun. So childhood games that still make you feel like a kid when you get sucked into it, 204-780-6868. Loren, why don't we start with you? Well, I think there's just some games that like, okay, I don't know what this would be called. I think it's kind of like a King of the Hill version, you know, where you're, you used to fight with your friends, like you'd be on the top of the snow mound and you'd, try to get to the top to be the top yeah. and push everybody else down. Well, last summer we were on a lake and one, uh, my sister had this lily pad. You know what those are? It's just like that big pad that goes out in the water and you can float on it. But the kids were playing basically a version of King of the Hill with their cousins where you shove each other off to try to like be the master of the lily pad and nobody can get on. And all of a sudden my sister and I look at each other and are like, well, that looks like fun. <laughs> we just get out there and just proceed to just chuck kids left, right, and center, like really viciously. Like you are not getting on this lily pad. Like this is ours. Get out of here. And we were. It was so funny because it hurt. So everybody was just in pain, hurting, and sliding and slipping. But you just you became that kid again, where you're like, I'm going to dominate this, and you better watch out. I will do anything to reign supreme of the lily pad. And it was tons of fun. Just games like that where it's silly, like nonsense. There's no champion. There's no real winner, but there is, you know? Yeah. No, that sounds like a blast. Fortress, what about you? Uh, well, yeah, my um, it, it was actually kind of fun. Uh, my my uh, my best friend that I've known since five, um, his, his son, uh, Nico, he's getting old enough to, uh, wow, he's four years old now, so he's playing with Legos and all that sort of stuff. And I remember when his dad and I used to play with Legos and come up with all these crazy scenarios and all this other stuff. So I was over at his place and, um, yeah, just just kind of hanging out with with his two boys and and playing with Legos and, and you know, like – He's got all like they're they're way Legos are way cooler than when I was a kid when we had like blocks and stuff. Now they have absolutely everything, um, and just kind of like you know having the Hulk take on a Tyrannosaurus Rex and you know and then this this 
elf over here is doing this. I don't know. It was just a lot of fun just to kind of like go through all these, these, these fun stories and stuff like that and, you know, chase them around and, uh, you know, I'm shooting fireballs at him and stuff. I don't know. It's just like the make believe. It's just a lot of fun. It's just, uh, just to, you know, I, I, it's, 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 it's really cool. I think it's cool. You know, Lego is, sucks you in. Like you get, so next yeah. thing you know, hours can go by and you're like, I don't even know what's happening over here, but I've built something. Yeah. Like it's, it's, and I built like this crazy stuff, like, <laughs> like this crazy thing. And, you know, it's like, say, this is a monster. I don't know. It's just fun. Yeah, my buddy's uh, boy had a Batman logo thing and uh, a Lego thing, and that that almost was the rest of my night. I was prepared to go d- deep down a Batman Lego rabbit hole. <laughs> oh, the Lego is just fantastic. What about you, Greg? Well, it's the old-fashioned stuff for me. We like to do the game night thing every once in a while with uh, with the in-laws, and it gets competitive very, very quickly. The Scattergories is one game that we play, and it gets heated. It gets loud. If we're playing outside in the backyard, I know the entire neighborhood can hear my sister-in-law in particular. And in the catchphrase, I don't know if you've done the catchphrase, the digital catchphrase. We've we've played that one so often that we had to get rid of the old one and buy the new one because some of the references are so old. But at the at the end of the day, there's nothing like beating your kids in one-on-one basketball. <laughs> they still that still brings out the competitive nature. I do not like to lose to my siblings. I don't like to lose to my friends. And I hate losing to my kids. So I just don't. <laughs> yeah, just Gotta teach don't. them a lesson about life. There That's you go, right. Mackling. Still taking on the Twin Towers. That's right. Sarah McCarthy, mm-hmm. what about you? Yeah, staying with the competition theme, um, I just, this question took me back to like grade six, seven, my gym class, we'd always get to like pick what we got to do for gym and without fail, we would always pick something outside, usually capture the flag and it was never actually serious. It was all just fun and games. You'd st- we'd stand in half the game time where you couldn't <laughs> tag someone for crying out loud. So yeah, it's just fun running around like a hooligan. Haven't done that in a while. So. There's always like scheming and like <laughs> yeah. capture the flag. Like strategy. There's always yeah. strategy involved yeah. and like one team breaks off and you know, you're yeah. off in the bush, like, you know, watching the other guys are creating a diversion and stuff. Yeah. That sounds fun. That's too. a fun one. Forty, There's what this about- place. Oh, sorry. I should say this is place in Minneapolis, but we got to do that with Nerf guns over the Christmas Ooh. capture the flag. And oh. it was adults versus kids. And I just remembered now, I think we made some of the kids cry. Like we were very, this is in a- <laughs> Even, even better. <laughs> is, is this is in a formal setting, Lorenz? Yes, you pay to go in, and they got a whole like get your Nerf guns. And there's a guy who, and they have like 25 different kinds of Nerf guns. Thanks, Lorenz. You you, you're you're literally stealing mine. Oh, I'm you're sorry. You're literally stealing I just, mine. I, sorry, go ahead. Talk. Go for it. Well, no. Uh, last year, last year, I'm at my buddy's place. He has a place outside of town. He has got got a nice big yard, and uh, there's like eight, nine, ten of us, and we just all got Nerf guns, and like some of the guys. Went and bought like the n- biggest Nerf guns that have like hundreds of bullets. <laughs> I only had like a one shooter, but we had so much fun. And we're all in our 30s and 40s, yeah. and we're running around just shooting each other. And uh, like, <laughs> I was going so hard that uh, I got stung by a wasp, and I was like, ah, I'm out, <laughs> I'm down. But uh, oh god, Nerf guns are just so much fun. It's Mackling McGarry McNabb. We're talking this morning about the childhood games that still make you feel like a kid when you play them. And sometimes we get a little overexcited. Loren talking about throwing, chucking kids off of a lily pad into the water or uh, playing uh, this tactical urban combat with Nerf weapons in Minnesota. Is that that's uh, Mall of America? Yeah, that was at the Mall of America. And one of our listeners is talking about Uno this morning. I also resoundingly beat my kids six games in a row last week in Uno. Not that God, you were so... keeping track. Oh, Loren. I was. I was like, you're really bad at this. And it's just a game of luck, right? Like, you getting so frustrated. Like, why do I not have any reds? It was the best. So last week, Greg, I mentioned, uh, but we were talking about something else, how I went a little over 10 years ago, a little road trip to Wisconsin Dells. Right. And one of the, the attractions there was Noah's Ark, which is the biggest water park in the United States, but across the street from Noah's Ark, they had an amusement park called Mount Olympus, and it was a decent amusement park. It had some good roller coasters and stuff, but maybe the most fun we had was on this go-kart track uh, that actually, so it's like multi-leveled, so it's sort of the like a, like driving through a parking garage, so to speak, where you just go around and around and around, and you okay. go up and then eventually go back down, and you actually drive through this giant Trojan horse 
which of course is, you know, the Greeks used the Trojan horse to infiltrate the city of Troy during that war. And uh, so that's really neat. But so just being able to, I've never been on a multi-level go-kart. I felt like I was in like on a Super Mario Kart track. Yes. So we weren't actually racing, but I was jockeying for position with this little kid. And then I bumped him and spun him out. And after the race, I was I was bragging to my girlfriend at the time, like, "Oh, you should have seen me! I smoked this kid on the track." And he's right beside me, crying. And oh, she no. <laughs> and she says, "Like, what is wrong with you? You just ruined this child's experience." <laughs> and I said, "I don't care. Life lesson: you win some, you lose some." <laughs> Feel Did it cause a problem, like, for the rest of the day, uh, the rest of the holiday? Probably. Yeah. Probably. But I don't care. It was fun. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We have two grand prizes to give away this morning. We'll do the second one at 8.50. But, Greg, here's the first one. It's called Hometown Heroes. And for the last few weeks at CJOB.com, we've been asking you to nominate a friend family member, or someone in the community for their impactful work. We had some touching submissions of some extraordinary people who have made an impact throughout and through their work. Our hometown hero wins a $4,500 thank you gift from Lux Barbecue Company, including a Traeger smoker and accessories along with $500 in rubs and sauces from Lux, Loren. Okay, so here is the winning entry that was posted to CJOB.com. Gwen Buccini is the founder and coordinator of Tabs for Wheelchairs here in Manitoba. After seeing someone collecting drink cans at one of her daughter's basketball games back in 1998, Gwen inquired what they were saving for. The person indicated it would be to purchase a wheelchair for a special needs child. Gwen, who was a teacher at Holy Cross School at the time, immediately got her entire school on board with saving. But when she tried to find out more about the program, she found that things had fallen by the wayside. Well, Gwen, being the driven self-starter she is, who would do anything to improve the lives of anyone needing help, sprang into action and founded Tabs for Wheelchairs. Her selfless and timeless dedication grew the program into hundreds of individuals, schools, and companies saving drink can tabs, which are sold for scrap metal. And the program has given over 50 specialized wheelchairs to children in Manitoba who need them. It is actually the program's 25th anniversary this coming June, and it is going stronger than ever. Even when Gwen's son, Anthony, who had Down syndrome and was her main... uh, a bagger of the tabs that came to Holy Cross passed away unexpectedly in 2017 at the age of 32. Gwen persevered, setting aside her own unimaginable grief and loss and presenting a specialized wheelchair to a child just two days after Anthony's passing. And this uh, nominator goes on to say, a truly humble individual, Gwen would want the many, many contributors and supporters of this program to receive all the credit. But the truth is, it's her heart, soul, and humanity that has made a tremendous difference to special needs children and really anyone who is involved with this program across this province for the past quarter century. And that is why she is truly a hometown hero. This entry came from somebody named Angela Nespiak. We tried to get Angela on the line. We're unable to, but we do have the hometown hero on the line. Gwen, good morning to you. Good morning. Gwen, you've won yourself a $4,500 thank you gift from Lux Barbecue Company, including a Traeger smoker and accessories, along with 500 bucks in rubs and sauces from Lux. What is your reaction? Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so very much. I feel very humbled and, uh, and feel wonderful about it. And, uh, and I thank you for, for being chosen. Thank you. Gwen, how does it feel to hear those words that that Angela submitted and and shared in in order for this to come to fruition? I mean, I, I just, what an incredible accomplishment and journey this has been for you. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm proud of the program. It, uh, but again, as been said by you, uh, it's the people who have made this happen. I've just been the uh, the initiator and and the promoter. 
And uh, I've met so many wonderful people. There's so many givers that uh, in a world today, like the world is today, it is so nice to meet and see so many people who care about others when there's so much of the other going on in our world. So uh, it has given me as much as... um, uh, as it has given those children with the new wheelchairs. So I am proud and pleased to be a part of it. There's something to that, hey, Gwen, about the idea that there really are so many good people in the world, and you are clearly oh. one of them. But it, when you connect together, you can make great things happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly what happened here. And I thank you very much for recognizing me and uh, and for this wonderful gift. And I hope anybody else who would love to save tabs, they're easy to save uh, off any pop can or what have you, um, you know, fruit cans as well. They can be colored tabs. Uh, if ever you're interested in being a part of the program, um, just uh, uh, email tabs for wheelchairs at hotmail.com. And I'd be very happy to show you all uh, what we do and uh, who our recipients are going to be this year, next year, and so forth and so on. So um, uh, join up. That's how that, that's exactly how the program grew is through, um, uh, publicity, whether it be TV, whether it be the radio. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's growth, excuse me, it's grown because of that. So thank you. And that email again, was it tabs for wheelchairs at hotmail.com? That's it. Okay. And finally, before we let you go, Gwen, do you anticipate that uh, Angela will perhaps be inviting herself over to say, I don't know, help set up <laughs> this prize so she can take advantage of it? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to invite myself over, let alone Angela. That's so that oh, great. no. That, that sounds terrific. Thank you. What a, what a pleasure and what a treat. Thank you. A pleasure and a treat to speak to you as well, Gwen Buccini. Congratulations. Thank you very much for talking to us this morning. And thanks to Lux Barbecue Company. Once again, $4,500 thank you gift for this hometown hero, including a Traeger smoker and accessories, along with $500 in rubs and sauces from Lux. And a reminder... Through Lux Furniture Company, this Friday, May 12th, we will reveal the winner of Mominations, where you can go to cjob.com and nominate your mom and tell us what makes her so special to for a chance to win $5,000 in outdoor furnishings and a $1,500 shopping spree from Lux. So again, we pick a winner for that on May 12th. <laughs> Right now, we want to talk about emergency preparedness because almost 29,000 Albertans are out of their home as some 100 wildfires rage in and around several communities in that province. You know, as I was watching some of the images coming out of places like Drayton Valley, I was thinking about just the evacuation itself. And, and you ask, you might ask yourself this question, you know, what would you grab? Are you ready? Are you prepared? Or, or is your town prepared? Because there are plenty of communities in Manitoba that have dealt with wildfires, others that have regularly had to deal with floods. And that's just at the top of the list of things that we really need to be thinking about. And considering this is Emergency Preparedness Week, we thought we'd check in with Winnipeg's Emergency Manager Coordinator, Lisa Gilmore. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. I referenced the national natural disasters there, but there could be a train derailment, you know, uh, an industrial explosion, all sorts of things that could take a neighborhood or an entire city, uh, give them a reason to pause. So what does Winnipeg plan and prepare for? So at the Office of Emergency Management, we plan for all the different hazards that could impact Winnipeg. So like you referenced, there could be a, a wide range from sort of an industrial accident to one that have more kind of weather or meteorological causes, um, flooding, tornadoes. And you were at the start of the um, segment, you were mentioning the wildfires in Alberta and certainly air quality and wildfires are one that we've been paying more attention to recently. So I I spent some time in Alberta and in British Columbia and in B.C. uh, Spring time brings concern over floods and then summer forest fire uh, season is is really a concern for a big part of British Columbia, Lisa. And the government was always encouraging you to have your go kit or your go bag. What should be in that kit and and basically sitting somewhere, somewhere that we can grab it and head for the door and our vehicles at almost a moment's notice? So we really recommend that people have two types of um, emergency preparedness kits. One is one you can take with you like a go bag and one is one you have in your home. And there's a lot of similarities between the two, but obviously the one that you're going to take with you, you don't want to be too heavy. 
but things that you may want to consider or you definitely want to consider would be um, personal documents or copies of personal documents like identification, health records, um, prescriptions that you have in your household, snacks, food, um, some like a, a flashlight, a first aid kit, um, information like that, charging cables. If you can get a portable charger for your cell phone, that's something that's very useful. Make sure you're considering everybody that's a member of your family. So that includes children. If you have small children, you might need some formula, diapers, a couple changes of clothes. If you have a pet in your family that's evacuating with you, you want to make sure you have food for that pet as well. Is this something where if we can afford to do it, that we should maybe just purchase some of these items as secondary things so that, that we have just on standby. And cause like some of the things that you've mentioned are things that I would use every day. Uh, so in the event that I would have to flee, even if I had a bag, I would still have to, to run and grab my, my cell phone charger, for example. Yeah. You can certainly purchase a whole emergency preparedness kit in your home, in your home, and you can get kind of pre-made kits as well that have all this, have all these pieces with them. That's a great option if that's available to you, but we also recommend that people just sit down as a family and they think about what they would need to grab and make sure they know where it is around your house so that, you know, it's an option that works for everybody. And really the practice of just thinking through it and discussing it as family can really just increase the preparedness of the household overall too. We talked floods and fires and train derailments as possibility, but you also have something on your list, Lisa, called hidden hazards. What do you mean by that? For these, we talk about the hazards that may not be as kind of in your face as some of the others. So like a tornado or a flood, those are hard to miss. But things like extreme heat, air quality, extreme cold are hazards that we expect to increase in their frequency and increase in their impact on the population, but aren't as obvious to people. So those are the ones we're really trying to remind residents to pay attention to this week and be aware of them, be aware of the impacts on their health, and if they are maybe a little bit higher vulnerability to some of these hazards, and be aware of the small things you can do to help decrease your risk to these hazards. I know there are times a year when the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service remind us, you know, during the time changes in the fall and the spring, change your batteries in your in your uh, smoke and CO2 detectors. And the idea of practicing your fire plan is something that's been highlighted over the years. Would it make sense to do a dry run with these things every once in a while, Lisa? Absolutely. It always makes sense to practice. And this week is a great one to it to do that. It is National Emergency Preparedness Week. So we really want to pass a message along to work within your house, talk to the members of your household and make sure that you guys are prepared for any kind of emergency that could happen. All right. And before we let you go, you mentioned that there are, there are pre-sort of prepared emergency kits one can purchase. Where would I go to, to get one of those? You know, there's a lot of different places. I would recommend any kind of like um, home goods store. Um, you know, a lot of our partners like Red Cross or Salvation Army probably have them as va- available as well. Or St. John's Ambulance, too. All right. Well, Lisa, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate this. Okay, thanks so much. Lisa Gilmore is Winnipeg's Emergency Manager Coordinator. Once again, it's Emergency Preparedness Week. A heads up that there will be an emergency test message issued during this week. It's happening on Wednesday, May 10th at 1.55 p.m. For more information on the test, you can visit alertready.ca. And to learn more about emergency preparedness in Manitoba, you can visit manitoba.ca slash EMO. And just one of the, the things, like as I think about this, I don't have asthma, but sometimes can suffer through asthmatic-like symptoms, whether it's, uh, you know, I'm having a bad allergy day, or I think of days where we've had smoke come into the community. And uh, so while I don't need an asthma puffer every day, they're in a situation like that, depending on how smoky it gets, Mm -hmm. I could see that being a, a position where I might need that sort of emergency rescue and I don't have, like, I, I need to restock. Like, I, it's good to have a puffer on hand. And that's something you need a prescription for, right, Brett? So yeah. it's not something you're as close as you live to a large drugstore. You're not just running across the street and getting that. Correct. You, you need to have a prescription for it. Yeah, I got to get my doctor to give me a reload. So and then you got to think about your pet even, too. Like, if you're running out the door with the whole Absolutely. family and grabbing things. Like, Moose would be like, hang on, where's my food? Who's bringing the food? Who's bringing this or that? So there's stuff for you, but you're, you're a whole entire family, whether it be people or pets. I am not pre- prepared. I'm I, not either. That will come as no surprise to anyone, but...
It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and it's time for our second grand prize winner of the morning. This one for Floorboard, spelled B-O-R-E-D. We're at CJOB.com for the last couple of weeks. We've been asking you to share with us your current floor situation and what you would do to improve it for a chance to win a $1,000 total flooring makeover, Loren. So we received hundreds of submissions, and out of them all, here's the winner. Where do I begin? I believe the moment we wanted to change our two-bedroom carpets was the day our installer was putting it in. A light beige Berber carpet looked great as a sample, but when he tried to seam the pieces together, it was the beginning of disaster. In the 20 years that have followed, there have been multiple times when our beater head... Yeah, the, the beater vacuum. bar on the vacuum. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. thank you. So the, the vacuum <laughs> head caught a loose thread and pulled out a considerable section. There's also been three active kids along with their many active friends. That in itself would have been enough, but let's not forget the three cats over the years that have left, have left remnants of their multiple hairball clearing attempts. Well, that theme sort of continues in the next part of this email, Loren. I also have to add in, in, that we are onto our sixth dog, and each has had an appetite for dead grass and dirt, which ultimately <laughs> leads to middle of the night, deep sleep awakening. <clears throat> you, you know where this is coming from, sort of uh, <clears throat> up chuck from the dogs. Spot cleaning and the odd rug doctor can only do so much. We are beyond ready for that next flooring option, and we are open to suggestions, definitely one that will withstand time a little better than our current carpet has done and one that we hope will also be ready for grandchildren, which we are thinking has to be someday soon. So let's say hello to the person who wrote that post to the winner of Floorboard with Total Flooring. Dave Shetler, good morning to you and congratulations. <laughs> good morning. So, you guys surprised me on that one. Oh, good, good. That's good. We were hoping to, to catch some catch you off guard this morning. So $1,000 total flooring makeover. Wow. You excited? I'm very excited. You know, first thing I do is tell my wife uh, as soon as we're done here, because I know we've been talking about this for, for quite a while. It's just, <laughs> it's just timing, right? So now's the time. Okay, so what's this like? Am I gonna? I'm gonna make a suggestion that you stay away from carpet the next time around. But that's just me. Like, what are you thinking you do? Yeah, or at least something dark, right? One of the two, right? So just, uh, it's just like say the light Berber. You know, like I say, I apologize for the graphic details there this morning, <laughs> but but yeah, just something a little bit more pet friendly. And like I say, uh, we're pressuring our our kids to to get married. Yeah, light pressure, right? And then that whole grandkids thing that is uh that is definitely around the corner so yeah might as well get it ready for for all of the above so dave i can tell you this in our house we ripped out uh the carpet on our main floor about five years ago we installed a luxury vinyl plank flooring nice. as they called it and we are thrilled with it and we contrast that to the carpet up the stairs and into the bedrooms that we replaced essentially at the yeah. same time and i think yeah. if we were to do it all over again we'd just do the entire house in vinyl plank flooring and then get some yeah. inexpensive area rugs in the bed bedroom just just my suggestion for you just we a thought yeah we are open for that that is for sure yeah, Greg's I mean, got a design website you can visit, gregsdesign.com, if you want to weigh in. <laughs> Go ahead. Loren, I haven't launched that yet. <laughs> well, yeah, like I can, I, I remember, Dave, when I had uh, two cats and a dog, we had a mixed bag in our home of uh, like vinyl flooring and some, but our bedroom was carpeted. And I can't uh -huh. tell you how many times where I would be awoken at two, three in the morning to the sound of my cat, Frankie, at the edge of the bed, you know, the... <laughs> Yep. And uh, and it's the immediate panic, not on the carpet. Not so I, the I would carpet, just pick exactly. him up and throw him into the hallway. So at least there, yep. it's way easier to clean. Exactly. Totally true. Yep. I've heard that many a time. <laughs> What's your dog's name, by the way? Uh, we've got two. So we've got uh, two German Shepherds. Um, littlest one is Sky, and our big guy is Colby. Not Colby, Chino. Colby's was one of the was one of the dogs along the way. There. My apologies. <laughs> You've had lots of dogs. We've had lots of dogs over the years. Yep, just uh, we we love them. Like I say, we love them, and like I say, we've uh, we've been a dog family. And then my daughter uh, convinced us into rescuing some cats. So they're uh, they're also part of the house too. So big family. Well, uh, good good luck with all of that, Dave. I'm thinking yeah. maybe luxury vinyl plank comforters 
or the next yeah. thing to come out so that you don't have to, to deal with the, with the animals doing what they love to do in our bed. I don't know. Yeah. Congratulations, yeah, Dave. That sounds great. Uh, yeah. Promise you'll send us some pictures of, of what you end up doing, all right? We definitely will. And thank you very, very much. This is so awesome today. Great way to start a Monday. Dave Shetler joining us live on 680 CJOB, the winner of Floorboard, a $1,000 total flooring makeover. I was just wondering, Loren, if there were any chocolate labs in there, given the penchant for uh, the, the, the attraction to dirt and dead grass. Well, I never knew this, and, and I don't know if this is proven, but I remember when Moose was eating grass once at the lake, another lab owner said, oh, that's really normal. It actually helps with their digestion or like kind of like a, like a natural cleanse. Yep. For the dog? I don't know if that's true. Like, no. I don't know what the attraction is. Yeah, if you see a dog eating more grass than usual, that's step one. Step two is... It's coming. It, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's So it's like a natural, it's like an enema, but the opposite. Like, eat some yep. grass and then, okay. Yeah, there you go. We're going to pick a winner in our next segment based on the Childhood Games... That make you feel like a kid. Like this past weekend, I was at my buddy's place and his his daughter and son accosted me and wanted me to come play with them. Like, okay. So I learned a lot about dinosaurs and unicorns and uh, I was right, right back in. They're like, oh, dinosaurs. This is neat. I was playing with the toys. We were putting together a puzzle. He was telling me all the, no, that's a dimetrodon. That's not a. Oh, because the names course. of the dinosaurs have changed since we were kids. Yeah. A lot of the names have changed. So. Oh yeah, and the kids they know they know every single one. They know the statistics, how tall they get, how long they get, what they eat. It's it's fascinating to to dive into the world of dinosaurs with little kids. It was a lot of fun and uh, there were some that I had never even heard of. So I don't know if it was a new <laughs> name or if it was just a new species. I couldn't quite remember, but I'll tell you, I just sort of fell right back into how excited I was when I was That's cool. his age to learn about dinosaurs. So uh, we'll pick our winner in our next segment. In the meantime, a question of the day at cjob.com. It's emergency preparedness week. Do you have an emergency plan in your home? Your options are yes, I have an evacuation plan. So like one of those floor plans that you get uh, for a fire drill or whatever. Uh, Yes, I have an emergency go bag. Yes, I have both. Or no, I'm not prepared as I should be. And I would squarely fall in that. I don't have a go bag. Uh, you know, it's, it's happened a few times where I've had a fire alarm wake me up in the middle of the night, and it's basically just get up, get dressed, and get out. I'll grab, like, a, co- a pack of contact lenses, and that's it. Not even your wallet? Well, that, I think at the time, in both cases, the wallet was already in my jacket. Okay, good. Because both instances were in, like, fall or winter, so... Uh, my wallet, I always keep sort of but in my jacket. How many of us, though, would be scrambling for important papers? Yeah. Birth certificates, passports, that sort of thing, ID. Yeah. If you're getting if you're getting uh, ushered out to an evacuation center and you need to prove who you are in order to get support, that could be pretty tough without certain kinds of ID. So you can weigh in on that at cjob.com. In the meantime, we are going to turn our attention once again to that stabbing at Polo Park Mall. Not just one, but four teenage victims and another teen arrested. Yeah, so we want to get right now to what happened because two of these 14-year-olds were bleeding badly enough that they had to have tourniquets supplied by police. And so we're joined now by Constable Jason Mikulishin. Good morning. Oh, just one second. Is he ready to go for it, Jay? Okay, that took a took a little while to get you going here, but go ahead. Hi there, Mr. Mikulishin. Uh, good morning. How you doing? Doing okay. Go ahead, Loren. So the call came in at 8.30 Friday night, 14 stabbed. Was this a random, unprovoked attack? You know, it certainly does appear that uh, there's no relationship between the victims uh, and uh, who is now the accused uh, in this matter. So no relationship. Uh, just it appears at this point the uh, uh, the 16-year-old uh, fixated on some property. And I can tell you at this point it appears to be a pair of running shoes. Uh, and an altercation between uh, the uh, the initial victim, 14-year-old, and the 16-year-old accused, uh, um, you know, escalated. Um, uh, a machete was pulled out. Uh, injuries were sustained. Uh, three other victims who were with the initial victim originally, they split up in the mall. 
for a period of time, and then they became involved and, and further injuries were sustained. So, yeah, really unfortunate situation over a pair of runners. Super uh, un- unfortunate. Jason, two things at play here in my mind. One is the age of these perpetrators. Mm-hmm. It feels as though, you know, uh, youth crime uh, seems to be on the rise, but maybe more importantly, maybe more alarmingly, is the fact that there are weapons involved in so many of these situations. Is that something that WPS has has noticed a a rise in? Is it anecdotal or do we have some numbers that can sort of back that up? Yeah, I wish I had uh, some specific stats for you regarding that. I don't, but there's no question when we see 13 and 14 year olds involved in violent incidents like this, uh, a weapon like a machete is being uh, pulled uh, and, and ultimately used uh, is alarming. It's alarming to us. Uh, raises my eyebrows every single time I see it. Uh, um, I, I, I don't have an answer uh, for you with respect to why that's happening, but we are talking about it. It seems like we are talking about it more and more now where you know young people are being pretty brazen with respect to uh, these types of altercations and uh, um, there's no simple answer. There's no, no simple, simple solution with respect to why this is happening. Um, and we all need to be alarmed by it. Um, uh, we certainly don't, uh, um, just make the assumption that, Hey, this is just another incident. It's not, this is involving young people making some really, really brazen decisions. Uh, and, and as a community, we should all be, uh, very much alarmed by it. Was the weapon a machete in this incident that the accused yes. was using? Yeah. It was. Yeah. And, and, and so I'm curious, you know, people might be listening. We talked earlier this morning. If I saw this go down, you know, it's, it's a Friday night and you'd want to help these teens, but you'd also be concerned for your own personal safety. Like what's supposed, what are you supposed to do as a bystander in this situation? Yeah. We just want to make sure that, uh, we don't want more victims involved. Uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, Winnipeggers and, 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 and people who, uh, you know, the instinct is, you want to help and you want to get involved, but uh, best uh, in, uh, the best suggestion I can provide is get on that phone, call 911, let's make sure we are notified of the incident. And if we receive one, two, three, four calls regarding in the incident, uh, obviously we, we, uh, it heightens the importance of the incident. Uh, more information is provided, more units can be dispatched. And uh, in this case, we were advised quite quickly. We were able to identify uh, the uh, location of the accused relatively quickly, not only arrest him for these, um, uh, for, for the incidents involving uh, the 13 and 14-year-olds, but uh, also some other uh, robberies uh, happening uh, in March and April as well. So um, this is a, a very good arrest, uh, but uh, certainly very unfortunate uh, situations that we're talking about this morning. One final question. Police were at the mall on Saturday. Are they regularly hired by the mall to patrol there, or do you know if that was new? Um, you know, I can't say for sure. You may want to reach out to the mall specifically to, I don't want to speak uh, on, on their behalf with respect to the, the, you know, their security measures and, and, and uh, our involvement uh, question probably for them, but uh, we will be on hand, uh, whether it's special duty or whether, you know, we do, um, you know, a park and walk and we're going to go, uh, you know, patrol certain areas for various reasons. Uh, we, we're, you know, we try and be, we, we try and, and, and be out there, uh, be proactive uh, in, every situation we can uh and uh uh in this case again we had uh, members close by we were able to respond relatively quickly and uh um obviously deal with the uh, the injured individuals and ultimately locate the accused jason michalichin with the winnipeg police service thank you very much for joining us we appreciate the time my pleasure take care and on the subject of being a bystander and trying to intervene greg we had some feedback from one of our listeners at 204-780-6868 at uh, air canada park yes uh one of our listeners said you know he knows somebody that stepped into a situation to support a woman who was under attack at air canada park large gentleman six foot two 240 pounds found himself all of a sudden the rest of the group had turned on him. So here he was trying to do, quote unquote, in his mind, the right thing and found himself as a potential victim himself by doing what he thought and felt was the right thing. It's Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. Childhood games, 
that make you feel like a kid if you find yourself playing them once more. For a chance to win tickets just announced this morning, Menopause, the musical two, coming to Club Region Event Center in October. We have time for a runner-up and our winner, Greg, take the runner-up, Bob Clark. Being a sports-minded teacher, I ran the noon hour floor hockey league at our school, grade six to eight. Some years, we'd put a teacher on each team, but a couple times we had a teacher team. I remember one year, there was a speedy little kid that was also on my running club team and fashioned himself the next Brad Marchand. Highly skilled, but dirty stick work. I was taking a lot of hacks on the shins from this guy halfway through one game after taking some second degree contusions on my ankles from this little brat. I found myself battling with him in front of the stands where all the students sat. He tried to sneak through me, pardon me, sneak through between me and the first row, forgetting that I probably outweighed him by 60 or 80 pounds. I stuck my butt out accidentally, a little too forcefully and sent him into the second row. I can still remember the look on his face. The majority of the kids in the stands got real, real at the moment. Best part is that he got out of the stands and kept playing like it didn't even happen. Tough little guy. Needless to say, I got a lot of respect (laughs) and lots of distance in my class that afternoon. Took me right back to my Philadelphia Flyer fan days of the 1970s. Woohoo! Way to go, Bob. Sometimes Bob you just got to send the message. Brother? I think he's your long lost brother. It sounds like your go-kart story. <laughs> Could you be. Just... <laughs> Could be, but <laughs> we got time to sneak in our winner. Shannon, Loren, Shannon takes the cake. What does Shannon have for us? We lived outside Stonewall in a small town called Argyle. Our parents didn't have a lot of money, so we had to create our own fun. We would invite the neighborhood kids over to our 40-acre farm, and we would use lids from the ice cream pails as Frisbees. We called it Tron. We'd hit each other with these Frisbee-like lids, and it was sort of like tag. Whatever time you got hit, you had to sit out, and then you were responsible to go get the snacks and the lemonade from the house once you were tagged. I would love to go to this musical, Shannon adds, because since cancer put me into menopause three years ago, I think it would be a great evening out with a few of my menopausal friends. Well, Shannon, you shall enjoy this show. You win the tickets for the show. Tickets go on sale Thursday. There is a pre-sale on Wednesday. It is musical. We're going to reintroduce you to a couple of guys who we've spoken with over a few times over the years. They're super interesting. Their business is cool. And they just won big once again at a major, major competition. The Baltic Brothers Crafted Infusions. They won bronze at the 2023 San Francisco World Spirits Competition. So we say congratulations and welcome to the co-owners of the Baltic Brothers. Bernard Pesak is the raconteur infusionist. Bernard, good morning to you. Good morning. Morning. Thanks for having us. And Martin Pesak is the... Please feel free to make fun of me if I can't say this properly. The Gawenjaj. You did pretty good. You did pretty good. Or Bellwether. Bellwether for the English people, yeah. All right. So first, let's discuss these titles. Bernard, let's start with yours. What is a raconteur infusionist? Well, a raconteur infusionist is the storyteller. So that's kind of my job. As our dad kind of gave us the titles, uh, it's my job to continue the storytelling and uh, the traditions and the myths and lores of our culture, which is Polish. Uh, and passing that on from generation to generation. And most stories were told over the fire and shared shared with a drink. So that's my job to to be that storyteller. Well, why are those stories so important, Bernard? Um, it's our culture. Like if we don't keep our culture, who will, right? So um, we were always from a young age uh, put into Polish folk dancing. We wore the costumes with pride. And uh, it's something that, that makes us uniquely Slavic. And uh, it's also wonderful in Manitoba because it's so honored and it's such a strong tradition here, too, because of folklorama. And uh, I think Winnipeg is such a wonderful multicultural city and uh, it really sprouts beautiful culture. And that's what makes Winnipeg Winnipeg, right? And then Martin. Sorry, go ahead, Loren. Oh, I was just going to say, Bernard, you're the raconteur infusionist. I'm not even going to pronounce at what Brett attempted, Martin. So just you say it for me and then tell me what that means. So a Gawenjash is a, is a keeper of the family secrets and the recipes and the techniques. So I was a student of my father's. So I was right from a young age, right at his side, learning how to do every single thing. So as kids, we would grow up, get driven out to a forest out near St- like Pine Falls, 
the boreal forest, given an ice cream pail and a knife and taught how to forage, pick and preserve. And this is how we learned those things. So I am the keeper of the recipes and within our products, that's how we pass on this tradition and show our Canadian friends what we make. Now, the, 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 the business itself, I want to learn a bit more about that. But before that, Bernard, how big a deal is this competition, the San Francisco World Spirits competition? Um, to tell the listeners, San Francisco World Spirits is the equivalent of the Oscars of alcohol or the Olympics. And us placing gold last year for the San Francisco World Spirits for our sour cherry and bronze this year. It's the first time in Manitoba's history a small craft distillery has ever even been mentioned Never mind placed. Like, yes, there's, a, you know, Diageo up north in Gimli. They've placed there before, but they're a big time, right? This is amazing for small craft and pushing that small craft local scene here in Manitoba because it puts Manitoba on the map uh, amongst all around the world that we can make something that is worthy of gold and bronze all around the world. And it's the judges there. Um, I don't know if you remember the... Um, show Drink Masters on Netflix. So one of the judges, main judges that was there is also one of the judges that was judging our alcohol. So amongst 275 different flavored vodkas, we managed to win gold last year and bronze this year, which is an amazing feat. So we're talking about vodkas from all around the world. Right. So what is it? What's the secret ingredient? And maybe you can't share the secret ingredient, but what is it that makes your vodka... Give it the ability not only to win a prize, but to even compete with vodkas on the world stage in the first place. So so what we make is a nalewka, and it's a traditional Polish tincture. It dates back 450 years in Poland. Everybody's family has a traditional recipe of whatever they found, foraged, found on the farm, and made. So this is a way of preserving harvests year over year for hundreds of years. So we have cultural designation in the European Union for this style of spirit. So we're bringing these recipes to Manitoba. But because Poland and Manitoba are at the same latitude, we can actually directly translate those Polish recipes using Manitoba ingredients and produce. And every work we do with all the farmers, everything, it's the same agriculture, Polish recipes. So when we talk about these recipes and and like, is there a part of it that is, um, are you open with what's in it or you know, because I bought some of your products before and it'll list what the ingredients are, or is some of it sort of a hidden secret that we don't know everything that gets added to it. So let me put it to you this way. My dad <laughs> can barely pronounce many things in English, let alone chemicals or things like that. So when we say it's old world recipes, we're going back to the forgotten methods of low and slow. Like this is infusing things for painstaking yeah. time, treating every botanical differently. We have a book in our family that's passed down with recipes. And it tells you how to distill, how to infuse each individual botanical to get the maximum flavor out of it. Because of industrialization, all these methods were expressed and there's shortcuts and things like that. We don't take those shortcuts. That's why when you taste our products, you taste real fruit. Only as sweet as the cherries off the tree. So when did you guys start, Bernard? How long have you been doing this now? Uh, We've been doing this. We started in 2018 is when we launched our infusion pouches, which is like a craft infusion mix that you toss into a jar. You pull over your favorite alcohol let it infuse, strain, and serve. And that's how we started our product line. Then eventually we partnered up with Capital K Distilleries on Dublin Avenue, and we've just been growing from them. And uh, you've obviously had some challenges because, you know, you you go out to all, every fair and market, but pandemic, you know, you right out, basically right after you guys started your business, how much of a challenge? Like, did you ever sort of stop and go, ah, maybe we should try something else? Well, it was a challenge because we launched into the Manitoba Liquor Marts in March of 2020, which was right here in Manitoba when the COVID pandemic hit. But the biggest thing is, and how we went about it, is Baltic Brothers is our family company. Like it has our parents' name on it, and it has all of our, everything that our family and our, that, that it what what's important about our family and the respect of that. So there was no giving up. Once we launched the company, this is our family recipes, our lore. Uh, there's no giving in. Like we are pushing forward with this and we're going to continue to grow because we will never quit. Yeah. So you're all in, you have no choice, no yeah. choice at that point, but to, to move forward. So in the marketing, how important are these stories? How important do you think it is to those that, that want to consume your, your vodka and, and your other products are the stories The stories are important because it isn't just about the drink because every time you made this drink, the whole point of it was about a gathering and it was always about inviting people to your table to share something that you've worked hard on producing. So whether you grew the cherry, 
or cultivated or foraged the blueberry, you wanted to share that experience with them. And those experiences create conversations, conversations create memories. And that's what we're trying to recreate for all of our customers. We are giving them an invitation to our table one bottle at a time. And that's Curious. why on our bottle, it says, from our family table to yours, na zdrowie, which means to your health. Yeah, and I love the idea when you talk about family. I'm curious what you hear back then from the consumer because we've talked to you guys before about the attraction of just supporting local. But then when you also just talk about a family industry, and maybe industry is the wrong word, but just passing it down from generation to generation, how does that uh, sit with people, touch them in a different way? They, they really like it because they feel uh, very welcomed. Uh, it also puts a personality to a brand because everything is logos and colors and brand schemes and things like that. Here, when we're at a market, you're talking to the people that are distilling it. You're talking to the people that are knee deep in blueberries and cherries. Like we make it, we live it, we forage it, we find it, we work with farmers. That's who you're interacting with. You don't get that experience with any other product on the Liquor Mart shelf. And in terms of the hustle that you guys have to put into your job, like I remember at Third and Bird, the Christmas market, I can't remember if it was two years ago or three three years ago, whatever, um, you had just unveiled a new raspberry-based flavored vodka. And if memory serves, like you had just put the labels on those bottles that morning, right? right? And then you're And then you're out at the market, so like... You're you're not just like producing the product, but then you got to get out there and hustle to get the word out. Oh, it, it's it's a lot of work, but it's it's a pure passion because we go from fermenting to infusing to bottling to labeling to corking to boxing to selling. We're at every market, every big show all around Manitoba, and it's really the three of us. It's my brother me and our best friend Dave, and that's who works it. And my dad is our Dos Equis guy. He's our spokesperson. He's the, he's, he's the guy that everyone wants to see on social media. So we, when we post him, everyone's like, oh, he's up there. It's going to be hilarious. And my dad always says something funny or weird. So it's really, really cool. What Does he have a title? I'm sorry, maybe you covered this because you mentioned about the names that you guys have. So what's dad? Dad is just Oichets. He's father. That's he's, what he's all father. He's all father. Everybody wants him as a dad. Everyone's yeah. everyone's he's, dad. Yeah, he's everyone's about, dad. What about Dave? Is Dave just Dave? No, he's the <laughs> Turza, which means the guy who can make anything. So Dave can oh, really cool. build anything. So when we have these huge markets and stuff, well, like I, Dave, I need a new booth. And two days later, we got a brand new booth. Um, for example, at Third and Bird, they gave us a slightly bigger space. So Dave built a fireplace and we put a TV in there and put a fake fire. So it looked when <laughs> I had the Christmas market, when you came in, it looked like you're walking to my parents' house with the fire going. So yeah, that's, that's Dave's job. The, the builder, the constructor, logistics, everything. With logistics. Yeah. What was Dave's interview process? Because it sounds as though he's in the family. He's not just in the, in the company here. He's probably got to get your dad's approval to be anywhere near these family secrets. Well, Dave is, Dave is family. Like uh, we've been dancing and post folk dancing since we were four years old together. Um, so we've traveled the world together, uh, my brother Dave and me. And uh, yeah, he's been in the family, in our dancing family for Iskra, the post folk dance group for forever. And then we've just grown from that as being best friends and moved forward together because it's like there's nobody else you can trust more than close friends from your dance group. Right. And before we let you go, and we've just scratched the surface with you guys, but we are bound by the clock, but tell us about the award-winning product. So we have our Blueberry Lavender Lemonade. We launched it last year as part of the uh, Ukraine uh, Kiev Pavilion. Uh, they had a situation where they weren't able to bring in spirits from their homeland, so we actually came in and launched this product. It actually originally launched as a fundraising effort. We ended up raising over $10,000 to buy beds for Ukrainian refugees. Then we actually brought it into the Liquor Mart. So now it's Blueberry Lavender Lemonade. It's a fantastic cocktail that you can drink on its own, even more beautiful with iced tea. really accentuates a lot of the blueberry goodness with it. So it's available at Manitoba Liquor Marts in the smaller bottles. Come visit us at Capital K Distillery, or you can also have home delivery at madebymanitoba.com. And uh, you, you, so you guys have a presence on social media as well. Uh, website? Do you have a website? Yeah. Uh, so balticbros.com, or if you want to order our bottles, it's madebymanitoba.com. And you can always visit us on Instagram at balticbros. Bernard Pesak is the raconteur infusionist, and Martin Pesak is the bellwether. Go and uh, Josh, yeah. Go, go and Josh? Yeah, you do. Okay, good. that's a little good. better this time. I had the, the emphasis on the wrong syllable the first time I took a crack at it. Guys, thank you so much for coming by. Congratulations. Thank you so thank much you. for having us.